Um, <clears throat> so maybe I want to start with this question that I had about uh, essay four. Um, so basically, on the end of the question, it talks about uh, explaining how each of the following is involved in regulation of blood flow. So you got myogenic, autoregulation, paracrines, uh, and sympathetic regulation. So I didn't remember uh, learning about any of that, but maybe I did, and I just was thinking about it wrong. So. Okay, so myogenic autoregulation is referring to the kind of stretch response that I think was mentioned in the book. Um, let me pull it up real quick and see. I can find that. So the stretch response is basically speaking about smooth muscle and the fact that if you, like the smooth muscle around blood vessels, and if you put um, pressure, then it tends to reflexively um, relax to make more room. Oh, oh, the stress relaxation and, mechanism that they're talking about in the brain. Right, and if there's not a lot of pressure on it, then it will tend to contract. So it's kind of, that's all it is. Really? Yeah, it's just stretch oh. receptors that are sensing pressure on the walls of the blood vessels that are down at the arterial level. And so. and they're just trying to maintain a set point of push against the blood, the column of blood in there. That's what that myogenic response oh, is. Oh, so the myogenic R regulation is just, in the book it spells out the stress relaxation mechanism where after they are like vasoconstricted, they'll eventually go back to normal, like homeostasis and then if they're relaxed like dilated they'll go back to that normal after a while as well right okay, just oh, okay so I'm I pulled up 3.5.5 in the book I'll just read this to you real quick tissues utilize two methods of local control myogenic and paracrine regulation oh okay and so this 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 little paragraph here is what you're looking for for that essay I see. So All right. that's right yeah. at the top of 3.5.5. That's not okay. Yeah, that wasn't. Uh, I don't know in the in the reading sections where you're supposed to read 3.5.5 was like cut out. So. Oh. Um, yeah. Really? Yeah. It's mm. in, if you go into the Canvas homepage, it says. Uh, where's that? It says. That's okay. I'll check it out later and fix yeah, it for next. 3.5.4 <laughs> to. And then there's no 3.5.5, so... Okay, cool, so make sure I read that one later then. Yeah. That makes <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah, I'll fix it. Sorry about that. Totally my fault. No, nope, that's but, all good. But uh, it happened because this is the first semester that we've used this online book, and, and when we transitioned it, we made some errors. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, I only use the online one, so my, it might have been in the in the, the PDF version, and I just missed it because I don't use the PDF. Okay. Okay, so... Um, and then it talks about paracrine stuff like nitric oxide, mm -hmm. adenosine. There's other paracrines too, like with uh, inflammation. Paracrines are basically chemical signals that are working at the local level. Mm -hmm. So inflammation has a whole bunch of local signals like histamine, cytokines, uh, and and there, there's some. I don't think I'll get into because I don't think we'll test it on you. Like bradykinin and serotonin, those are involved at the local level. We just kind of refer to any signal that's causing you to constrict or dilate at the local level, we call it a paracrine. Okay. So for example, if you're contracting a muscle and it gets tired, it might release potassium, carbon dioxide, acid. Those could be paracrine signals. Gotcha, I okay. see. Because they're working you. at the local level. So like nitrous oxide and adenosine, I think yeah. those, those cause vasodilation, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. mentioned in 3.5.5 as well. Okay. Those are paracrine signals. So you got the myogenic, you got the paracrine. Was there anything else on that essay? Uh, yeah, it's sympathetic regulation. So I'm assuming that's just like, 
the beta one receptor, the alpha one receptors on the yeah. On the, the sympathetic system. regulation is just remembering that uh, the sympathetic nervous system is the only autonomic nervous system that goes to blood vessels. Mm-hmm. So if it's active, you're going to vasoconstrict. Right. Okay, that makes sense. That was the one that I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I remember you, you that. Dump, you dump norepinephrine onto alpha one receptors and you vasoconstrict. But wherever you're working, wherever the cells are very very active. They're releasing paracrine signals to cause local dilation. So if you put those two thoughts together, what you realize is if you're, say, running <laughs> away from something or fighting, fight and flight, you constrict all your blood vessels, which shunts your blood to your core, which increases your preload, which increases your stroke volume, which increases your cardiac output, which will then go down a vascular tree that's vasoconstricted, which of course raises your blood pressure, right. and then all of a sudden you dilate locally wherever you're working hard. So then the blood, seeing that opening suddenly, will go whoosh and start increasing blood flow into the exact areas that are working the hardest. Right. Okay. And that's due. Is is that not due to the like the what is it the dilation or like the relaxation of the or the precapillary sphincter sort of a thing at yeah. the, before the arterioles, when you it, have like those yeah, and cells. Yeah, it's, it's not just the precapillary sphincter that relaxes. It's actually the whole entire collar of smooth muscle to the vessels leading into the precapillary sphincter. Oh, okay. So it like relaxes those upstream arterioles yeah. and that makes more blood just rush into those capillaries. And it rushes down there and you feed the cells and there you go. All right. So if you're great. running from a bear, you're probably not going to dilate blood vessels that are going to your intestine. Yeah. <laughs> because you don't need to digest right now. Right. So you shunt all the blood to your skeletal muscles, and you don't feed a lot of blood to your intestines, which could cause the classic side ache when you're out running. Oh, I see. That's what that... Oh, yeah. okay. That's good. Now I know that. Well, that works that way. Okay, I see. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Okay, now that I know that's in the book so, and stuff, so... So I like that. I, I'll have to finish this thought now. So you got a person who starts exercising. They go out and run. They get a side ache. Hurts really bad. Makes them stop running. If they keep exercising, it takes about two weeks to add at least another liter of volume to your blood. And uh, so you you can get a you can get a whole other liter of volume in your circulatory system as one of your first training effects. Mm which increases your preload, which increases your cardiac output, which sends enough blood that now you, you can maybe feed that area at least to sustain it and your sight uh-huh. goes away. Oh, that's so cool. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Just tying in. Yeah, that's cool, the medical applications and stuff like that. I like that. Um, well, yeah, I think that's pretty good. I think that and there are some things about uh, that whole section on chronotropy lusotropy and anotropy that we had to learn through those big flow charts. Uh, it does talk about how, like in the uh, negative chronotropic effects, uh, you have this, um, or maybe it was the positive chronotropic effects, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, so here. So if you have um, more phosphokinase A after you have increased cyclic AMP, this leads to a higher calcium influx. Uh, what is the mechanism that makes the threshold become more negative if you have a higher calcium influx? Is that, maybe I'm just overthinking this, but... I see how it would increase heart rate, but I don't know why your threshold is getting more negative. Okay, so um, let's go in that chart you're talking about. Right. There's three, positive chronotropic, negative chronotropic. I'm going to go down to the one 
or up to the one in the reading. By the way, this is in 3.2.3. And we've cleaned up a few things in it which are uh, just fairly new. So if you downloaded the PDF <laughs> a month ago, you might want to go in and look, read it oh, online. Really? <laughs> but that, there's a thing in there, okay? And what I'm going to do is just kind of read it to you. It's a flowchart. Mm -hmm. It says beta-1 adrenergic receptor. So that's going to be stimulated. We're going to activate adenylate cyclase. We're going to get more cyclic AMP. We're going to get more protein kinase A. So this comes from your Bio-180 days when you learned that cyclic AMP actually attaches to an intracellular enzyme called PKA, right. protein kinase A. Protein kinase A goes around and phosphorylates all sorts of stuff, depending on the cell we're talking mm -hmm. about. Okay. Well, now I'm going to go on this flow chart, clear over to the left side, okay? And it says phosphorylation of L-type calcium channels. What that means is PKA phosphorylated our calcium channel. Mm -hmm. It phosphorylated that calcium channel. Okay. And since it's phosphorylated, it actually made it more likely to be open. It made it so it's got more sensitivity to voltage and it's more likely to pop open. So what that means is maybe bef it's a voltage-gated channel, right? So maybe before it was phosphorylated, we had to get the voltage across the membrane up to like minus 50, minus 70 or something. But now that it's phosphorylated, it's so sensitive, it might pop open at minus 80. Okay. Oh, And that's I why we see. say the threshold is more negative. I get it. So because you have a higher probability of it opening, it's going to have a uh, negative threshold. But if you decrease the probability of it opening... Um, it's got a more positive it's threshold. It's got a more positive threshold. Oh, that makes so much sense. Okay. I, I get it. Yeah. Okay. I just... I don't know. Maybe I wasn't reading it properly. But yeah, that makes so much more sense now. I, was, I understood it, but... So let cool. me ask you this then. If you make it more likely for the calcium channel of any type to be open, will you have more inotropy or less inotropy? If you have more open probability of calcium channels, then you have more calcium flowing in, which is going to increase your inotropy, right? Right. And if you look at the bottom of that graph, you'll see that it's an inotropic effect. Right. Um, uh, okay, I get that. And just to just to like define like the the three different things. So inotropy is your contract uh, contractility or whatever. So more calcium equals more inotropy. But lusotropy is that this, that's so uh, from what I understand from the, the flowchart that's talking about the speed of relaxation, right? Yeah, that's how fast you can repolarize. Right. Okay. Or so how fast you can get back down. That's an important concept because if your heart rate goes up, you can you if you get up around two hundred beats per minute, there uh, you're you're a little dangerous because there may not be enough time to relax before it beats again. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And if you think about a heart, if it doesn't relax before it beats again, you won't have a, any preload at all because your end diastolic volume will be super small. Right. Oh, I so see. So if we can get the repolarization slope to go super sharp really fast, then you're going to add a few microseconds to your diastole, which gives you a larger preload. Oh, I, see. I get it. Okay. So so you have a, a higher speed of relaxation, which is just an increased lucitropy. So the, the higher your lucitropy, will that lead to a faster heart rate then? If that allows a faster heart rate. Allows to, a faster heart rate. That allows a faster heart rate to happen and still pump enough blood. 
Okay, but just if you if you just have increased lucitromib, that doesn't mean you have a higher heart rate, right? No. Okay. It just it just allows you to have a faster heart. Rate. I see. That that makes sense. I yeah. Okay. So then we're talking about heart rate. That's just chronotropy, right? So chronotropy is just how fast or slow your heart is moving. So you have a higher chronotropy, you have a higher heart rate. That Positive chronotropy means faster heart rate. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, okay. I see. <clears throat> well, that's all the questions I had on that particular section. I don't know. Okay. Um, if I had anything else besides that, so I think that's it. Well, you think you have anything you want to ask, or are you good to go? No, not that I know. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. yeah.